Thanks for joining Cornerstone Worship Center's Building a Better Life. For more information about our church, service times, and additional resources, we invite you to check us out on the web at www.abetterlife4.us. Message is preached here tonight out of the same thing I say. Because the Holy Ghost knows exactly what you need, and He knows how to take that peace and minister it to your heart. It's a wonderful thing. The, the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing even to the joints of the marrow, and our thoughts and intents of the heart. It gets right down to where you live. So we're all at different levels, and we're all working on different things. An ex-mafia guy by the name of Frank Constantino got saved. Frank had been in prison, gotten out, came to know Jesus. Last I heard, I, th- I think they told me Frank had gone to heaven a few years ago. But he uh, served his Lord faithfully after he got saved. Now, he had served his other Lord really faithfully too, yeah. you know, being in the mob and all. He had served the devil very faithfully. He was one mean motor scooter. And, uh, we were, you know, the whole world in Chicago was glad. Everybody but the mob, of course. They, but they were all glad Frank Constantino had gotten saved. Frank wound up in Florida and started going back to the prisons. Decided he wanted to go try to reach the people that, uh, you know, that he knew the best. And it was impossible, according to the way the laws were written, for an ex-felon, to, you know, to go in as a volunteer and what have you and do the kind of stuff he did. But God moved mountains. Frank Constantino got a pass, got a special, a special whatever, to, a special permission to, to, to be a part of the team that went in. And Constantino started preaching. And in that prison where he started preaching was the baddest bad guy that prison had ever seen. He'd been, he was part of the mob too, but he still had his connections, still somehow was running things, running his operations from prison. And this guy was so bad... He had had several people killed in prison after he got there just to try to make sure that, you know, they, everybody knew who was going to be the boss in that prison. It wasn't the warden. It was this guy, and he was an inmate. Frank Constantino talked to him about Jesus, and the guy got saved. Got saved. Now, love the Lord, and Frank began to do Bible studies with him, you know. He went to his pastor. Frank said, I need you to come down to the prison. I need you to come down and, and teach and preach a little bit and meet this guy. I, 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 have, I have one so-and-so. I don't remember the guy's name. I have one so-and-so to the Lord. He said, oh, I read about him. Really? Because it was all in all the papers. I read it. No, really? He got Yes, he got saved. Just like a little child asked Jesus to come into his life and forgiveness of sins. And he, he's so thankful, praise God. He said, yeah, you just got to meet him. He's a changed man. The pastor said, I want to meet him. So he took him down there. Sat down with this ex-bad guy and a guy smoking a cigar. And about every fifth or sixth word is still some sort of slang or worse. (sighs) Yeah, preacher man, I tell you, Jesus forgave me. I blankety blank feel good. It's a great time. I'm telling you, it was like that burden of sin. I can't explain it, but my blankety blank old heart just we just lift it up. I feel like I'm living in heaven. <laughs> Frank was all excited, you know. They walked out. Pastor talked to the guy a little while, and they walked out. Frank said, "What do you think?" 
pastor said, well, if you say so, Frank, he said, but you know, man, you, you got to do something about the way that guy, you need to start discipling him about the way he talks and smoking that cigar. And Frank said, well, pastor, I am going to get to that, you know, we're, we're going to get to that. He said, right now, I'm trying to convince him not to kill people. <laughs> we're working on one thing at a time. Come on, everybody, you're all, we're all at different levels, all right? All right, praise God. Amen. Just one thing at a time. So, <laughs> I thought that was a pretty good answer. Verse 23, make that verse 22. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Everlasting life. And what he's really saying is, look how good your life is is becoming fruit unto holiness. And by the way, you get to go to heaven too. Amen. And the end, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I want to slow down just a little bit. For the wages, opsonion, opsonion. It means a soldier's pay, the wages of sin. And that specifically, that Greek word, opsonion, is a soldier's pay or a soldier's allowance. The wages of sin. Wow. Think about this now. That he uses that word for pay. A soldier's pay. Not just what a businessman makes. Not what a factory worker makes or a school teacher or a doctor. But, but what a soldier is paid. What a soldier is paid as an allowance, you see, and that's a very conscripted pay. You understand that? I mean, it, it, is, it is very, it's very, and it's minimal, and it's conscripted because he was conscripted, right? I mean, it is prescribed right down to the pay, his housing, his, what he gets for this, what he gets for that, and what he gets for this. You know, the devil is, is stingy. However... However, there is pay for it, for sin. And I'm here to tell you, the way that makes that sound is that a believer who is in, you know, in the acts of sinning is a believer who is under the control of a hard taskmaster and is being trained how to sin. Because when you got born again, you got born again to know how to live right. Stop getting, get off the devil's payroll, would you? Because you can. You can get off the devil's payroll. The wages, then he says, and the wages of that sin is death. The quickest way for a Christian to die is to get in rebellion. I'm, I'm serious. The quickest way for a Christian to die is getting in rebellion against God. It's the quickest way for you to die. I myself want to live long. In fact, I want you to think about it. What does the Bible call God to you in, relation, in family relationship? Is he your brother or is he your father? He's your father. And when the Bible now says, and Jesus said, call no man on earth your father. Well, we know that Paul called these men, you know, these men in ministry, his sons in the faith. And they called him their father in faith. Nothing wrong with that. But what, God, what, what Jesus was really teaching us is that your real father is God in heaven. Listen to me. And when the Bible says, 
honor your father and mother that your days may be long on the earth. How many of you know if you're living a life that's dishonoring to your father God? I'm not saying God's going around killing people. I'm just saying that that's a quick way for a Christian to get, have his life shortened by, di by, by dishonoring God by the way you live. Well, I don't, you know, I'm not dishonoring God. I always say wonderful things about God, but no, just because I got this little habit and that little habit. Listen to me. Listen to me. Before we rush to the end of the prodigal son, there's something we need to know about that story. Y'all have heard me preach this quite a bit. I believe in full grace and forgiveness and love and acceptance. Just And the prodigal son didn't even have the right reason to come home. He was only coming home to eat better. That's what the story says. And Jesus is making the story up, so he puts all the motives in the guy himself. So we know that. that and, and the father saw him and said, I don't care why he's here. He's here. You know, as a pastor, when I look out here, I don't really care why you came to church. You came. <laughs> that blesses me. And I, I think that blesses the Father. But, but don't forget why that boy had to go a long way away. In the United States, if a kid gets in rebellion, we just let him keep his room. He still gets to eat at daddy's table. He still just gets to do whatever he wants to, but he's, you know, he can live in rebellion. Well, he's my son. I can't kick him out. One thing, Jesus told that story. I want you to hear me. Jesus told that story for a very specific reason. Because 2,000 years ago, when a boy decided he's going to live like the devil, he knew he wasn't going to do it under his daddy's roof. That's right. I should have gotten a better amen in this house of faith right there. And he wasn't going to do it next door, at the next door farm. The Bible says he went to a far country. Wow. Wow. Quickest way, quickest way to feel like you're away from God. It's not God's doing. God doesn't push anybody out and throw anybody away. But your rebellion will take you away. You see, rebellion always takes Sin always takes us away, takes us out of fellowship. Where we, what's wrong, Lord? And the Lord says, that's my question. I got a call in the middle of the night one time about midnight, one o'clock in the morning. I don't know, late. Ah, are you Pastor Holler? Yeah, 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 I'm Pastor Holler. Uh, please help, uh, help me, help me. Uh, uh, my, uh, do you know so-and-so? And I said, yeah, I know her. What, what's the matter with her? Well, oh, she's in bad shape. She's got her face cut. I said, what are you talking about, face cut? Where, where are you? She said, well, we're headed to the hospital, and we think they're chasing us. I said, who's chasing you? She said, can you just please, she's just crying for you. Can you please come to the hospital? Yeah, I guess so. I hung up the phone. I said, Ann, I got to go to the hospital. She said, well, who was it? I said, well, I'm not sure. so-and-so's cousin, I think. She said, she's cutting. They're rushing her to the hospital. She said, oh, my goodness, be, be careful out there. I said, okay. <laughs> you know, she followed me to the door and locked the door behind me as I went out. <laughs> <laughs> No, she, she was praying for me. Anyway, I went down, there, went down there, and there she was, back there in that room. You know, I walked in, and I didn't, I didn't want to, you know, it was just one of those things. Police are there, and I walked in, and they walked up and said, you so-and-so's pastor? <laughs> yeah. She's one of my best. I mean, you know, you have this pride that tries to come on you, and, and I thought about the doctors and the lawyers that were in the church. And the Holy Spirit said, she's yours. 
I said, yes, I'm her pastor. Where is she? They said, well, she's right back there. And uh, <clears throat> we really would like to talk to her soon. But she's called for you. So uh, just do what you can. Okay. So I went back there, and there she was, her face laid open and cut clear through. God flung a Chinese star at her. Went in, cut clear through her prettiest little angelic face. This is one of her former boyfriends whom she, by whom she had a baby who had a new girlfriend, and he had a new car. And she, with her cousin, went out drinking and driving around one night. Hadn't been in church in a month or two, but I was her pastor. Had a long leash on her. Very long. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. I didn't even realize it was still attached out there somewhere. But <clears throat> And... Uh, <laughs> Now, I'm making fun, but you know, my, I, you all can tell I love the girl. She, uh, she had, and her, I got all this story from her. She and her, uh, her uh, cousin were driving around, and, and she said, take me by his house. Oh, wrong thing to do. Went by his house. She looks in the window. The lights are on. His, his new girlfriend is in there. His new car is sitting out in the street. And she's about two-thirds drunk. I don't know what you do, but them West Texas girls get even right about that time. <laughs> and she decided she was going to get even, so she got out of the car and started throwing rocks at his brand-new car. And he comes bolting through the door and throws that star and hits her right in the face. I, I jump in the car and rush off. She's blood just gushing. You know, you know what? You can get a cut on your head. What it's like? Blood just gushing. And get there. She looks up at me. <laughs> oh, Pastor, Pastor, oh, baby, I'm so sorry for you. <laughs> I did. I did. I did. I was hurting for her. I'm so sorry, sweetheart. I'm here. I love you. It's gonna be okay. It's okay. We're gonna we're gonna talk to God. It's all gonna be okay. Oh, I'm so sorry. I know, baby. I know. It's okay. It's okay. It's all right. And then she said, Pastor, why do these things happen to me? <laughs> I pulled off those kit gloves, <laughs> pulled out my big gloves, went to pounding on her. I said, why do these things happen to you? Is it that you think God hates you? I, I, no, I don't know. Yeah, yes. I said, honey, God loves you. God didn't do this to you. You did this to you. Well, well, how do, I said, look, you want, to, you want them to stop? She said, yeah. I said, I, 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 can, I can tell you how this, how this, how, how we, right, we roll the clock back, and I can tell you how to make this thing not happen if we can just roll the clock back. Just stop drinking. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Amen. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that's what I need to do. You know, well, she's drunk. She's going to agree with everything I say. And uh, I prayed for her and loved on her and just, you know, but I chewed her out for about 10 minutes. I just, <clears throat> 
You're going to wreck your life with this kind of activity. After it was all over, I walked, I said, sweet baby, the cops are coming in here. You be honest with them. You just tell them the truth. Do not lie to them. You just tell them the truth. God will help you if you just be honest. She said, I'm going to. So I left. And I walked out the door. I was disgusted. Not at her, but just at the whole situation and the state of mankind with these wages. That beautiful, was that girl beautiful? She had an angelically beautiful face with a big old scar now across her face. Even chipped a tooth. The wages, not, not to mention all that that, that that was doing to her soul. Wages, hard. I was just disgusted with the whole thing, the cops, and I just felt dirty. I walked to that sliding door to that big emergency room out there at Shannon Memorial Hospital, and the doors opened all by themselves. I was like, oh, you man-made stuff. That even made me mad. Everything I was looking at was all man-made. All her troubles were man-made. The man-made law was there. Man-made conditions. I looked out over the man-made city, all that steel and glass and concrete in the, in the air. Just, I really was disgusted with it. Because, you know, I was just tired. It was 2 o'clock in the morning. I was just tired. How many of you ever been there? You know what I'm talking about. Just, oh, why am I here? And then I walked into the foyer and the second set of doors opened. And I took in a most glorious smell. I smelled a skunk. <laughs> I smelled a skunk. And while everybody else in the hospital is going, get shut that door, I'm going, wow. And the Holy Ghost said to me, man didn't make that. You ever have a Holy Ghost revival start when you smelled a skunk? <laughs> Boy, I did. I mean to tell you, I, woo, yes. God was telling me, hey, right in the midst of all that man-made stuff, what I'm doing can still get in there. That skunk was disrupting the whole town. Huh? Huh? Woo, glory. I went home shouting, man. I shouted all the way home. I said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your spirit that, that permeates my life and all the troubles of men. Glory be to God. The wages of sin might be death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Woo! I went home and I shouted and I shouted. I walked in that house, man. I was breathing hard and happy, happy to be there. And I, I couldn't hardly f sleep. I wasn't, I wasn't a bit tired. I, I laid down in the bed, and, you know, tried to relax. And I, I answered, well, how'd it go? I said, well, it was awesome. Well, I, the thing wasn't awesome, but I mean, oh, baby, I I'm in revival. I'm having my glory be to She said, well, what's going on? I said, well, I was down at the hospital. She said, yeah. And I said, the door opened. And she said, yeah. And I said, Smell the skunk. <laughs> Woo, she said, it don't take much for you, does it? I said, no, I don't. It really don't. <laughs> I'm telling with my hand up, that's the story. It was awesome. It was just awesome. Amen. 
but the gift. The word gift here is the word charisma. It's a favor with which one receives without any merit of his own. It's a synonym to grace. Charisma. But the, listen to this, the wages of sin is death. The soldier's pay is death. Of sin is death. But the favor which one receives without any merit of his own, which comes from God, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But the gift of divine grace of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But the gift of faith, knowledge, holiness, virtue, and all good things of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But the charisma or the economy of divine grace by which the pardon of sin and eternal salvation is appointed to sinners in consideration of the merits of Christ laid hold of by faith, which comes from God, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This word charisma, this word gift is a great big word. Now, would you rather have a soldier's pay in sin and death? Or all that God can afford, which is His grace given, unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor. Amen. 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 Now chapter 7, Romans chapter 7. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. Christ died in part so you could escape the law. Faith is Christ, or that is faith in Christ, puts you in him, and he died. He died so that the law could no longer have dominion over him, Therefore, it no longer has dominion over you because you are in Him. None of the laws of man are over you with respect to righteousness. The laws are still in effect, but not for righteousness. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. I had a Satan. I don't know why I'm full, so full of stories tonight, but I'm going to tell you the stories as they come to my heart. I had a Satanist. Walk in my office one day and started telling me he needed help. He was in bad trouble. Oh, bad trouble. He'd been involved in some bad things. And by the way, if a Satanist ever comes to you and he's really been involved in the ritualistic aspects of Satanism, he comes to you and says he wants out, don't tell him to be quiet. You cannot sneak out of something like that. If you sneak out, they'll track you down and kill you. They can. They've done it before. Okay. But if they want out, you tell them, go to the newspaper and tell them everything you know. Call the police and tell them everything you know. Tell them that you're done. You tell everybody you know that you've received Christ and that you are no longer in it. Tell everybody you possibly can. Because if you're out there trumpeting it, that these saints exist, they'll hide from you because they don't want what you say to be true, to look like it's true. If they come and kill you then, then everything you said is validated. They don't want to be uncovered. So just talk it, talk it, talk it. They'll hide as deeply as they can and never mess with you. Get, get, get loud, get out there, get, go, on, go in the paper if you can. Tell them your whole story. 
And that's the truth. You want to help them. If you want to get them killed. Now, I have, I have personal experience in this, ladies and gentlemen. I have personal experience in this. I had a deputy sheriff come to me, and he told, he told these young people out in, out in West Texas, he said, he told these young people, he said, hey, just, just be real quiet about it. We're, under an inve- we're doing an investigation. Y'all just keep it quiet. Hmm. Well, these guys tracked him down and killed him. Execution style. They never solved the murder to this day. He came to me. He said, I don't know. He just started asking me questions, so I just told him what I knew. He said, oh, my goodness. I may have gotten them killed. Hmm? So, so you know this. So I told him the same thing. I said, man, you just need to go to the newspaper and tell them everything you know. He said, well, uh, yeah, I don't know if I want to do that. He said, is there, any, is there any hope for me? I said, sure, Jesus can forgive you of anything. In fact, he already has, if you'll receive it by faith. I, and I, I said, do you have a Bible? He said, oh, no. Mm, got rid of all my Bibles, burned them. I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, you had Bibles? He said, well, you know, I used to, my parents and mommy, grandmother actually used to take me to church. I pulled a Bible off the shelf and handed it to him. And he took it and, he went, and just chunked it down. He wasn't, he wasn't acting. He said, ah, ah. He said, burns me. I said, come here to me. I said, stand right there. And I started casting devils out of him. Amen. He just started coughing these devils up in Jesus' name. I stood there and took about 15 minutes, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes, cast out a bunch of devils till his eyes cleared up. I said, am I talking to you now? He said, yeah, yeah. I said, man, you need to give your life to Jesus Christ right now. He said, man, whatever it takes, just help me. I need your help. So he got born again right there. Not too long after that, received the Holy Ghost. And then I put that Bible in his hand. He said, thank you, preacher. I said, where do, he said, where do I start? So I told him where to start. And he left. You know, it wasn't too awful long later, he wound up in prison. Not because of other crimes he had done, but because of crimes he did before he was saved. <laughs> God forgave him of every sin, but the state of Texas didn't. <laughs> the law was still in place. He was still under the law. You understand what I'm getting at? But not for righteousness. Going to prison didn't make him any more righteous. It made, it, you know, it made the community feel better. <laughs> if I'd known what he had done, it probably would have made me feel better, but truth is, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. There are people in prisons that have done, that committed the most heinous crimes that are just as righteous as you, Steve, sitting right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Christ is the end of the law. Everybody say the end of the law. He's the end of the law for righteousness. Huh? Yeah. There's no such law that'll make you righteous. If law won't make you righteous, then it sure won't keep you righteous, now will it? If it can't make you righteous, it can't keep you righteous. Huh? If a law won't make you righteous, it certainly can't keep you righteous. Well, I don't believe in the law, but you know, you've got to do this and you've got to do this. Okay, great. Then, then tell me what your laws are. All these you got us, tell me what they are. Because, you know, God couldn't come up with one that would make me righteous. Let me see if you can. Just hit me with it. The law of God wouldn't make anybody righteous. The law of a preacher ain't going to make you righteous. The law of your mother-in-law, that ain't going to make you righteous. I mean, if you'll obey her, you might live better, but it's not going to make you righteous. (laughs) Huh? No. If God's law wouldn't do it, your law won't do it. You give me the rules and we'll make you righteous. 
but it will express holiness. It will express holiness, and it will, will release greater rewards in your life. And it will very likely extend your life to a great old age. How many of you would like to live to be old? Amen. The older I get, the younger old looks. <laughs> right? Amen. I heard a few people who really identified with that right there. Verse 2, for the woman which hath an husband, I'm going to set some people free tonight. For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he lives. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband lives, she be married to another, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from the law so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not a teaching on divorce and remarriage. I've never heard anything so, so boneheaded in my life that people want to hold something like this over people who've been divorced and remarried. It's the biggest boneheaded theology I ever heard. He's, talk, he's not talking about divorce and remarriage. He's using this as an example about the law. And by the way, the law of Moses allowed for divorce and remarriage. Now, we're not for it. Don't misunderstand. I mean, if you can avoid getting a divorce, avoid it. But sometimes, you, may, you know, people are married to idiots. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking to some people in this room have been married to idiots. And you need to shuck them as quick as you can. You've been called to peace. <laughs> You've been called to peace. Say, well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to stay with him. Because, you know, he's a good provider. Is he happy about you going to church? Oh, no. He gripes about it all the time. Then why do you stay with him? Well, the Bible says, I know what the Bible says. The Bible says you're supposed to live in peace. And if he's not pleased to dwell with you, if he's not pleased to dwell with you, this is, that's where Paul was really teaching on marriage, divorce, and remarriage. He was not teaching on divorce and, and remarriage here. He's using it as an example. Didn't want to bring in the idea of divorce because we didn't just divorce the devil. Because he could, you know, still have attachments through a divorce. Some of you have been divorced and you have kids with the divorce, the person you divorced, and you know that as much as you'd like to, like to completely cut, it's just hard because there's still attachments. That's why he doesn't bring this up. What he talks about here is that Christ died. We put our faith in Christ, and that means we died with Him. That means the devil no more has any claim on us. The law has no more claim on us. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. As though a woman had died, and her husband no longer has a claim on her. Is this helping you, Miss Ann? Praise God. Amen. We, didn't, we weren't divorced and remarried before we, we mar married each other. I mean, for Pete's sake, we were just learning. I mean, we just, we just gotten out of puberty, you know. <laughs> we were just teenagers ourselves. But I've always felt bad, you know. One of the, one of the major, I've always felt bad for people who've been divorced and remarried. One of the major Pentecostal denominations never would ordain a man that had been, been divorced and, 
and remarried because, you know, well, you just can't, they know what the Bible says. Oh, yo, tell us what the Bible says. You yo-yo. What does it say about this? Well, now they've changed their minds. They've changed their minds on it. Now they say, well, we, uh, we you know, now we will ordain men. As long as it happened before they were saved. Well, they believe you get saved every Saturday, Sunday night, you know. So which time? Was that when I got saved last Sunday night or was that... Which time? <laughs> oh, whole new problem. I want to know, you're going to make reparations and go back and repent to all the families and the people whose lives you stepped all over because your doctrine was so foul back then? Why don't you just go ahead and admit you didn't dismantle that stupid thing and stop calling it what you call it? All denominations are like this. They always wind up in trouble because they got a headquarters <laughs> and that head don't have a brain in it. <laughs> as good as they get, they're really lousy. On their best day, they're dividing people. On their best day, they're dividing God's people. That's why you all heard me say it. I'm going to say it again. I know I have to quit. I know. I do have to quit. Because we've got people teaching back here. And we've got other things happening. It's have to be time conscious. That's why I like the activities of the Holy Ghost up front so we don't have to time that. Amen. I was, uh, I was going to say, oh, that's why, that's why I, I, I want to raise up. I believe God has appointed me to raise up a church of faith people who are not non-denominational, who are not interdenominational, who are not angry at anybody, who don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. We're for all God's people in all denominations. But we are anti-denominational. Because if you're inter or non, well, you know, it's like you'll just tolerate it. And if you tolerate it long enough, it'll swallow you up. We have to be like the reformers of old, like John Wesley, like George Whitfield, like Martin Luther, like John Calvin, the reformers of old that changed the world. They were anti. Read their writings. They were anti-denominational. That's why they changed the world. If we're going to change the world, we've got to get back to what the Bible teaches. Can I have a good amen? I've got to have a good amen. It's, it's the truth. It's the only way you'll ever be in faith because you'll always be trying to Make sure your tenets of faith are right rather than just believe the Word of God. Okay? Now, when I say that, I want to make sure that everybody here understands me. In case you come from a denominational background, I'm not saying that you're old preachers of the devil. I'm just saying, I'm not saying that at all. Because many wonderful people are in all the denominations. Can I have a good amen there? I mean, how many of you got born again because, because of some denominational church or denominational preacher? Let me see your hand. Look, look at this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I say you got saved in spite of that. <laughs> but... <laughs> but I thank God. I really do. I thank God for many for the, for the great people that are in all the body of Christ everywhere. But the denominational label is not a blessing. It's always been a hindrance to what God wanted to do in the earth. Okay, that's why He teaches us these kind of things. Every layer of law you build imposes yet another bondage on your life. Every layer of law you build. I have young preachers ask me often, 
Where do you hold papers? I said, why do you need to know that? Well, I just want to know. I mean, you, you, do you hold papers with your church, with Christ for the Nations? Or what? Well, I said, well, I'm reluctant to tell you, I do hold papers with Christ for the Nations. Yeah. But I hate that. <laughs> it's not a denomination, but it looks kind of like one. I don't like snakes, and I don't like pictures of snakes. <laughs> we, we have papers because they, you know, sometimes they, they get you into a jailhouse or an ICU or something like that. But I honestly believe that we just got all that from the, from the government. We didn't get any of that from the Bible. See, I read it in the Bible... Why are we supposed to cast out devils? They cast out devils in the Bible. We're supposed to cast out devils. Jesus cast out devils and Paul cast out devils. That's all, that's all the testimony I need. Huh? Huh? And from the day of Pentecost on, they spoke in other tongues. Paul said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. The only one way you can know a thing like that. I can't say to Tommy, Tommy, I thank God I eat tortillas more than you do. The only way I can know that is if I eat tortillas all the time. Huh? If I, if I got a tortilla in my mouth, and, cut, and when I say, I eat tortillas more than you because I caught him not eating tortillas. Huh? That's the only way I can know that is if I know I eat tortillas all the time. How can Paul say, I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you? Maybe that, all, maybe that answers where he got all that revelation. He was talking in tongues a lot. Huh? He was talking in tongues a lot, a lot, a whole bunch. Speaking in other tongues. Yeah, we ought to speak in tongues more. More revelation come to you. Amen. Build up yourselves on your most holy faith. Praying. But, you know, you follow what I'm saying? I mean, he, 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 he was in this thing. And that by itself was the mark of his apostleship. That supernatural thing. He said, do I need letters from you? Have I not been with you in the spirit? And you've seen signs, wonders, and miracles? Listen to me. We don't need something that the government makes us do to prove who we are. We just need the goods. We just need testimonies of people getting healed. Amen. Amen. Glory be to God. We just need testimonies of people getting healed and lives being changed and souls being saved and people being set free from their hang-ups. I read all about that all in the Bible. People getting saved. People getting devils cast out of them. People getting miracles of prosperity and miracles of healing and wonderful things happen. But I never read anybody in there anywhere, anywhere, anywhere where, they, where they said, hand them a piece of paper and said, now you can preach. It's just not in the Bible. Just don't know why we do it all the time. Y'all notice we don't do that here at this church? Did you notice we don't do that? A young guy comes to me, a young woman comes to me and says, I want to be ordained to ministry. I say, go to Christ for the nations. They, 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 you know, they're paper hangers. They pass out the paper. I'm, not, I'm saying, if you need it, if you want it, get it. But I'd a whole lot rather have somebody lay hands on me that didn't have an ordination service that had the gift of healing working in them. Come on. Amen. Anybody here with me? Yeah. Or would you rather have Dr. Smellfungus show up who never laid hands on anybody? Huh? No, you want granny, don't you? You want granny that they laid her hands on her cat and her cow and her husband and they all got healed. That's who you want praying for you. Hang old Dr. Smellfungus. He can just go on back to the seminary. Amen. <laughs> Amen.
All right. Well, I think I've said enough tonight. I've told you all I did was told a bunch of stories. But I hope you got something out of it because of Praise God. I had this whole chapter 7 outlined. I do. I did my homework. I studied. I promise. I did it. All the way through chapter 7. It wasn't like I wasn't prepared, so I told stories instead. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I want to pray for you. My Father, I thank you tonight. I thank you for the Word of God. I thank you, Lord, that this Word takes us places. I thank you, Lord, for this personal testimony time that you've given me here tonight to talk to your people in. Thank you for how you've healed Alfred's body. Thank you, Lord, for the miracles of healing that, you, that are manifesting in this church. Thank you for the flow of the Holy Ghost that you have us in here. Thank you for this beautiful season. And thank you for these precious saints. I ask that you'll bless them, Lord, in their going out like you bless them in their coming in. Thank you that you've made us the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, first, not last, victors, no longer victims. I thank you, Father dear, that you cause the mountains and the hills to break forth with singing and the trees of the field to clap their hands as the people go forth with joy, armed and dangerous, building a better life. In Jesus' name, amen. Once again, thanks for joining Cornerstone Worship Center's Building a Better Life. We would like to invite you to one of our services in McKinney, Garland, or Little Elm. And for information about service times and addresses, please check us out on the web at www.abetterlife4.us. God bless you. Thank you.